Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Welcome back to Your Family Dog podcast. I'm Tina Spring, and I'm joined today by my lovely, smart, and pretty co-host, Julie Banana Fudge-Smith. And today we're going to talk about how to socialize your dog in COVID during a pandemic, which has created lots of fascinating fallout for our dogs and the families we work with. So as is tradition, I introduce the topic and Julie gets the first comment. Yay, because um, this is a tough comment. And, and, and because I think one of the, the interesting phenomenon um, of this COVID pandemic is everybody's like, oh, great. Since we have to be stuck at home, let's get it. This is the perfect time to get a puppy. So let's get a puppy because we can really train it and we'll be there and then everything will be fine when we head back. And I understand the logic behind that. But as my vet tells me, he goes, Julie, you're going to be busy for the next two years. And the reason for that is part and parcel of a new puppy is not just teaching your puppy appropriate use of his mouth. It's not just teaching your puppy how to be house trained. It's not just teaching your puppy how to sit and lay down and be polite in greeting guests. Um, well, because one, it's hard to practice because none of us have any guests coming over. Those things are not unimportant. They are very important. But one of the other things that's really important is properly socializing your dog. Now, we did an episode on enrichment as socialization, and I think that that's something that you can do during COVID is you can bring the world to your dog in a variety of ways. Um, You can allow him to sniff the tires of all the cars parked on the street, and you can get him out to stand on the corner, say, in front of the library here in Granville and give him treats as people walk by. So he begins to see some things, see some other dogs, see some other people. But socialization also means that your dog has a wide variety of exposure to people, places, things, substrates, and experiences in a positive way. Because what we want is our dogs during this crucial socialization period, which depending on the expert you talk to, most degrees starts about three weeks of age, but when it ends is quite variable according to the experts. It can be anywhere from 12 to 16 weeks, depending on who you're talking to and what breed you're talking about. So you don't have a long time for your dog socialization window to be open. So in order to provide him with a wide variety of police people, places, things, and experiences that he can draw on in a positive way as an adult dog, uh, we generally recommend that a dog meet like 100 people or 250 people because you're sure to have him meet a wide variety of tall, short, skinny, wide, you know, curly hair, dark hair, light hair, glasses, sunglasses, hats, no hats, scarves, puffy coats, snow coats, you know, all kinds of things for the dog to, oh, this is an okay thing. So as an adult dog, when I encounter something similar, I have this Rolodex of experience that tells me that this is a safe thing. The problem comes, how do we do this when we're in lockdown or when we're not supposed to be closer to people than six feet? 
Well, one of the things that I tell people is, you know what? Most leashes are six feet long, folks. <laughs> so if you are walking your dog, somebody wants to greet or say hi to your dog. At the end of the leash, a quick little greeting might not be one bad way for your dog to be able to meet more people. But I think that this is something that is a dilemma and that people who are concerned about exposure and about getting out, one of the problems is that their dogs are suffering because they're not getting the exposure that they need to become more balanced adults. So one of the things that I recommend is if your dog does like to walk, make sure you get out and walk in a wide variety of places. Make sure you walk in a park. Make sure you walk downtown. You walk around. You can even drive to a different neighborhood. I've done that. Driven my dog to a different neighborhood to walk around that because that's all the kinds of new scents and smells and sights. And maybe I'll meet a few new people along the way. So you think about places you can go out with your dog and walk or even sit and watch the world go by. Uh, there's a place in New Albany, which is a little town near me, where they have a square where there's a Starbucks and a library and, and some benches. And you can sit in the bench, be away from people. And yet watch the people going in on Starbucks and people going in and out of the library. So those are some of the ways in which I think you can get your dog exposed to a bit more. Um, what do you think, Tina? What do you have in mind for exposing dogs socially during these times? So I think people over-socialize dogs the vast majority of time. I think what the average family thinks socialization is and what socialization actually is are two really disparate things. So I, and I still, I stole this from Nando Brown. So I'll, I'll own that. I stole this from him. I love his rule of threes. So one in three dogs or people, my dog has to ignore one in three. They get to say, Hey, how are you? And one in three, they get to have greater interaction with, um, and so I actually think the pandemic's fantastic for that because we're not approaching everybody. We're not having our dog run up and tackle every little kid they see. They're not running up and jumping on every other dog's head. I actually think this pandemic is probably really good for dogs. It's probably good for people in some ways too. So yes, we are all, most of us, going for walks in the neighborhood, go to a different neighborhood go walk around a plaza, go walk based on how relaxed your puppy is so that they're taking in stimuli, but not necessarily touching all the time. They get to see all different kinds of people, right? Go, well, here, again, I'm in Georgia, so today it's almost 60 degrees. My puppy people, hopefully, are grabbing a cup of coffee and they're going and sitting outside of the Kroger and watching customers go in and out of the, the Kroger while feeding their puppy little bits of string cheese so that the puppy gets to see people with walkers and people with masks on and people smell people who smoke and people who are diabetic and people who are worried and people who are not worried and watch the busy mom toting three kids. I think so much of socialization is just taking in the stimuli, but not actually touching. So um, I, I actually think we'll end up with much better, more well-rounded puppies 
if people get out and do that work, even if it's at the end of their driveway. I do appreciate what you're saying. I, I think I think you've got a point. I need to think about this a little bit, but I think you're really right. The problem is, is I'm not seeing people getting out at all. I'm seeing puppies who are completely isolated within the home so that we're not even getting that sort of remote stimulation or that remote experience of watching stuff. And so I think that what we need to be encouraging people to do during this pandemic is you cannot stay at home and you're living with your puppy so that by the six, by the time your puppy is six months of age, he's met three people and seen your living room in your backyard and your kitchen. While prime socialization is over somewhere between 11 and 16 weeks, Heck, you and I are both old enough. There was a time you didn't even train a puppy until they were six months old. That was the industry standard. Right, right. So all is not lost if the people stay home for three months. Like, it's not it's not the end of the world. If they're doing good um, exposure to things in their home, then... Even that older puppy that right now I have a 10 year old dog that I am re-socializing. He is learning how to keep his marbles in his head when he sees new people and when he sees new dogs. That's a new skill for him. I just did it two years ago with a pug who was over socialized. So what is your expectation for your dog? Like, is your expectation for your dog is that they're supposed to crawl in everybody's mouth when they see them? Because that's what I see socialization being taught as today. Like pre-pandemic, the biggest issue I had was everybody just wants puppy class to be a brawl, a free-for-all of puppies playing. And that's not actually socialization. It's just not. Socialization is taking it all in. I, I agree with you. But I also feel, too, that the dogs I've seen who've had a wider variety of experiences that they have been rewarded for, that we've seen a lot of different people. And I've looked a lot of, at a lot of different people and I've talked to a lot of different people and I've just sort of watched the world a lot more, tend to be a little bit more balanced as an adult dog. And one of the things that in my classes, when I ran classes, is that we didn't have playtime. Well, puppy time, we, we did in my puppy classes, we'd have some playtime at the end. But one of my goals in class was not for all the dogs to be able to have a great time together. The goals in my class was that the dogs learn to pay attention to their owners and learn to work and to realize that I can be around other dogs without losing my mind. So I do think that you're right, that socialization can be... Um, pushed like anything can go to an extreme either no socialization at all which is damaging to the puppy or overstimulation or over socialization which is also damaging to the dog but i also think too that that um the more your dog can have positive experiences the more likely it is in, in a variety of ways just to see so, variety maybe, of so maybe that's the question maybe i'm working with a greater number of dogs for whom going for a, run, for a walk around the block or going to the playground and seeing other people is too much. It's not a positive experience. It's an overwhelmed experience. Right. I, I understand. And, and I've got dogs who are like that too. Um, but I, so I think that you have to kind of find the balance there. But I also think too that, 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 um, and, you know, and I've got one little dog 
who's a client right now. I mean, he can't even he can't even function on his front porch. He's so right. So so are we blaming that on COVID, or is that just a dog that's poorly bred? Well, I think it's probably come. I don't think there's any one cause to poorly functioning dogs. I think that sometimes you have a poorly bred dog who's not perhaps handled well. I mean, they, they adopt, I can't remember how old he was. They did not adopt him as a puppy. They adopted him as an older dog. I don't remember how, I can't remember off the top of my head how old this dog is, but he wasn't, it wasn't eight weeks old when they got him. Okay? Right. But, but I am a professional dog trainer who's very good at my craft, who has raised two pot cake from Turks and Caicos. And they're both fearful of new people. They were socialized as best we could. But but genetics play such a ex- huge role that there's like there's only I, I mean, the second one's better than the first one because I learned things. Right. The first one, I did what everybody told me to do. And he's definitely more raw. So um, I, I think that increasing enrichment playing games with the dog where, or the puppy, or going for a walk, where the puppy can observe other people is absolutely fine. And then I just give dogs more agency. They don't have to go say hello to everybody. They oh, just don't. That, that is one of my cardinal rules, is that each dog has the right, I mean, there, there's so few things that our dogs get to regulate in their lives, right? They don't really get to say um, what toys they get to play with, or where they're going to live, or what kind of food they're going to get, or any of that kind of stuff. But they should have the ability to say who they want to meet and for how long. I mean, maybe I just want to go up and sniff you a little bit, and that's it. That's fine with me, because I feel like one of the ways in which you can really make a dog much more suspicious and leery and not confident of his life and his um and people is by forcing him to meet people when he doesn't want to. So I always believe that a dog has the right to say, "Mm, sorry, I just don't want to talk to you today. And that's fine. And so I work a lot with, with people on that saying, give your dog the ability to say who they want to meet and for how long it could be. I just want to give up, go up and give your shoes a quick sniff. And then I'm a happy dog. And then so that we can do during COVID. Yes. Right now, now harder if you're in Alaska yes. and there's four hours of sunlight and it's super cold and you're going to freeze your eyeballs. Um, you know, you, I, if it's cold and rainy and gross here, I'm telling people to go to Lowe's and Home Depot mm-hmm. and take cleanup stuff and take your puppy. But I think it's uh, honestly, I think we overdo socialization far more than we underdo it. That's what I observe in the community. Dogs that are um, over aroused because they've been forced into more socialization than they're comfortable with. And 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 that's the thing. Like it's set by the learner. It's not set by me and my checklist. So um, I am much more about soft socialization. So take the puppy to a playground with no children on it because right now there are no children on the playground. And let your puppy see the swing set move and step on the slide and step on the, you know, all the different kinds of equipment and sniff it all and check it all out and eat some treats and go home. And then 
you know, go to the local baseball diamond and climb up and down the bleachers with your puppy. Like there are lots of things we can do. Go to a park and let your puppy splash around in the in the creek. Um, there's an awful lot uh, we can do. We can also honestly bring balloons home from the grocery store. Or let our puppy help unpack the groceries. Like obviously don't let them eat things they're not supposed to eat, but let them check out the stuff that they want to check out. Yeah. Well, the other thing I try to tell people too, is you don't have to do eight hours of socialization every day where I'm talking, you know, as you said, take the puppy out to do one thing, go walk around Granville once and go home. Um, you have some time, but also too, this, this, this should, the other thing as I tell people is make sure you go out with a whole bunch of treats because this should all be paired with, you know, really positive things. So that the other thing I have found too is, is so should something go a bit sideways, if you've got a whole bunch of treats and you can get your dog to redirect to you and eat chicken and get out of the situation, you're going to at least minimize some of the the more deleterious effects that can happen sometimes with when things don't go the way you want them to. So I think that one of the keys here is to let the dog take the lead on some of this stuff. Make sure you have a lot of tasty treats so that your dog can have something to turn and focus on or be rewarded for, you know, making good decisions and don't try to do too much at once. I think, you know, some every day and meeting some people every day or seeing some people or seeing a new environment or driving to a new neighborhood, you know, a little bit every day is going to build the resilient dog. And you know, you're right. Genetics are huge. Some dogs are just a lot more reticent. And so I think you need to remember that with those dogs, they need a lot more reinforcement. You know, well, a little scared, but I leaned in and looked great. You can have a huge piece of chicken and we're going to go. So work with these reticent dogs. They need to be really well reinforced. And I would say, actually, I, if anything, I work on people getting more careful and slow with the breeds that humans get super excited about, right? It's very easy to overwhelm and blow out and create a fearful Great Dane puppy because everybody loses their marbles. Like, oh my gosh, it's a Great Dane, right? So there are my pug, oh, for goodness sakes. Like everyone who sees a pug screams. I don't know what that is. Like it's how to, thank God he's deaf. Um, so there's, there are breeds that humans just naturally get more excited about. And in my experience, those are often the breeds that humans are rushing them to say hello because the human is meeting, you know, the stranger is meeting their own needs. Like, oh my gosh, the doodle looks like a giant stuffed animal. So we should just hug them and kiss them and very easy to overwhelm that, that doodle puppy. Um, yes, I agree. Um, we found that with our burners. Um, yes. You know, Bernie's Mountain Dogs, people are just like, holy cow. Not so much because you see a lot more of them now, but when we had our burners, they weren't nearly as common. And people were like, they were just showstoppers. People would just stop they're us. They're striking. Yes. You know, they're really, and so, yeah, I see it. There are some specific breed groups I see it with. I see it with Pugs. I see it with Bostons. I see it with Cavaliers. I see it with the assorted doodles, all the floofadors. Um, I see it with massive breeds, like the mastiff breeds, um, Rotties. Like 
any of the breeds that we have a strong opinion about. Sometimes it's harder, actually, I think, for like the Rottweilers of the world where, you know, a third of us think that they're magnificent. A third of us are terrified of them. And a third of us don't really like dogs to begin with. So (laughs) the dogs get shunned by the people who are more concerned about them. Like, oh, yuck, that's a XYZ. The other part of the population they're dealing with are people who bum rush them and are super excited to see them and to make friends. And so, again, like I I know that it's a controversial position to have. Everybody is like socialization, socialization, socialization. And we've been we have crazy bastardized that term and made it into something it was never intended to be. It is not about going through the checklist with the puppy. It is about setting up experiences and letting the puppy experience safely and happily for whatever that means for that puppy. So, um, I again, I think COVID's probably going to be pretty good for a lot of dogs because things are going at a slower pace. And in my experience, it's far easier to later on introduce a dog positively to new things than it is to overcome negative experiences, overwhelming experiences, overstimulated experiences. So, um, you know, I overstimulated and over-socialized Marco, and it totally backfired. Like, I have a dog who is really kind of doesn't trust that I'm going to keep him safe and let him move at his own pace. Right. So I just learned a lot. And, you know, sadly, he's paid the price. But I also have a dog that it takes about 10 minutes to introduce to a new person. Right. I think I don't think that that's inappropriate. I mean, surely he should be allowed to have 10 minutes to go. Yeah, OK, I decided you're OK. So I think the that. um, I don't know. I know I have a controversial position on it that is contrary to what a lot of people think. Maybe part of it is that I'm in a college town and I see dogs, you know, have in the past seen dogs dragged to football games and sorority house parties and, you know. Oh, I, I agree. I think there are, there are certainly like like my my skin just crawls every time I see somebody take their dog to the fireworks or <laughs> or a parade parade. Yeah. So, yeah, there it's just like really seriously, I don't think your dog needs to have the marching band right on top of them or the fire truck or the police car right in front of them. I just think that that I mean, it's terrifying for my for my grandbabies. I don't think it's going to be all that great for my dog. Now, just to play devil's advocate a little bit. Sure. I think that you have some real, really strong points about needing to allow the learner to assess the situation and to be careful that you don't overwhelm a dog in any given situation. On the other hand, I've also seen dogs who by eight months of age, six to eight months of age, have met two people and they can't function. They simply cannot function. They have not been out of their house. They haven't Um, You know, they haven't really seen anybody. They have no ability. They have no experiences in their Rolodex, right, to put anything into context. And some of those dogs are nearly impossible 
to bring back. They have some of them. I don't think so. I bring those dogs back all the time. It's not impossible. It's just not. Now, if you're trying to do it in the middle of a fear in of a um, huge fear stage. Yeah. But no, it's not impossible. There is a distance that they can take in another human being that they're okay. And, and, and it may be that they have to learn how to be on the front porch without a stranger before they learn to be out to be on the front porch with a stranger. It may be that you have a dog that needs some medications to increase neuroplasticity. But I will also tell you, like, that is such an I work with feral dogs, wild dogs being asked to live in New York City. And yet we managed to get it done. So so that what I will say is like, no, they actually do learn how to do it. When you have a dog that has having that big a thing, I don't think that's about they've been home for eight months. I think that's about breeding. And I can make a perfectly cogent argument that it's also about when we have attempted to socialize, we did not socialize. We did not let that puppy set the pace. Instead, we forced them into overwhelming, overstimulating by accident, not because everybody's trying to be a jerk. Like, that's not what I'm saying. But we were not letting the puppy set the pace. Maybe the puppy needs to be inside with the front door to the porch open, but not actually on the landing. Like there is, and if the dog is that raw, if they're that sensitive, that is about something other than socialization. That's a brain that's not functioning the way it should function. It's not managing stimulus the way a brain should manage stimulus. So I think that's an outlier. In my experience, it's just an outlier. I work with incredibly fearful dogs that have been recovered from a puppy mill or from a hoarding situation where they've never, they're they're six years old coming out of a hoarding situation. It's literally lived in a pen in the backyard with 38 other dogs starving to death. And yet we manage to get those dogs not as social as they would have been if they had not gone through all of that. But we get them to a place that they can typically walk around and take the world in. And maybe they're not going to be best friends with everybody, but they can handle it. They can handle it. So it, I, I just, in my experience, the, the two you're talking about, I would be looking at a bunch of other stuff. I'd be looking at medical stuff. I'd be looking at a bunch of other stuff. And I would say that that level of sensitivity isn't, I don't think that that would have been changed significantly by doing socialization without COVID. I see far more um, that the dogs like you're talking about were taking too big a bite of the apple. They're being rushed into a situation when they're not handling the stimulus of the there they can't handle the environment without more right? right so so until the dog can lay on the front porch and take a nap with just you on a rainy day when there's not the hustle and bustle of people going by they're probably not going to handle that with a dog trainer on the front porch with you and then i would ask the question can that dog handle being in the living room with the dog trainer like, can he settle out and take a nap 
even though the dog trainer is in the room. If not, then we're taking things too far too fast. It means either adjust the environment or or better living through pharmacology. And and of course, I'm always going to talk about sleep, nutrition, like are are they eating a food that they're starving of nutrients, which which can can happen. Just like for us, right? We can we can eat food all day long and be morbidly obese and still be nutritionally starving. So, um I I think the dog you're talking about, if I remember correctly, is a Cavalier or a Cavalier cross. Is that correct? Um, one of them was a Schnauzer, and one of them, yeah, was a, a little Cavalier cross who um is just who now is on medication, and so um he's uh we I will be seeing him in about a week or two after his medications had a chance to get into his system. And um, these are great owners and they care deeply about this dog. And, um, you know, he just, he has a, life is just hard and he is in emotional pain. And so we talked a lot about, you know, there's not much we can do if he's, if he, if he won't take treats and he, you know, it's con- it's really hard to do counter conditioning if you're not going to take a treat and we can't really help him until he's out of complete and utter panic mode at all times. So one of the things. Right, so, so if he's in complete and utter panic mode all the time, of course you can't socialize that dog. He doesn't have, he hasn't habituated to anything. Right. right? So, so how I would start doing attempting, and I think meds are absolutely called for in that case, but how, and I think a veterinary behaviorist would agree with me, right? We have a dog who can't handle the a baseline, but how I might be doing socialization is scent of new people. Or I might be doing socialization with the sounds of recordings of people. Or I might jump on a Zoom call with that family and I'm making different human voices come through the computer. Like we can tease apart exposures so that that dog gives gets itty bitty bits that are manageable to them. But you're right. A dog who can't eat during an exposure, like, yeah, we're we're talking about a dog who is having an adrenal response that is out of proportion with what's being asked of them. And that's typically like an actual physical problem like that. That's a medical issue. Right. So we'll see how he is after he's been on his meds for a few weeks. And uh, if we're not seeing a reduction in some of this reactivity uh, and, you know, then we can we can go from there. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, if, if the dog is in complete panic mode, you can't socialize it. Um, I do think, though, that I would much rather... And I think you're right. I think there is, in fact, we did an episode with Christopher Pockle about overstimulation in in uh, socialization. So I think there's got to be a balance that people can strike, because I also don't think that you really want to just keep your dog inside at all times during COVID. So I think trying to find that balance between getting out seeing new you know getting to new places and new experiences and new smells and seeing people even from a distance and getting some treats and saying look it's a really really tall guy we've never seen anybody that tall before isn't that interesting and have a piece of chicken so yes i think it depends on the dog right this little dog that you're talking about that that is is so so um but i'm talking about 
for, for most people who picked up a lab puppy during COVID who is not having these extreme reactions, right. does need to get some socialization during this time period because I don't actually want them to have to do all kinds of counter conditioning later on. I'd just as soon have them have the, the socialization experiences that are appropriate for that dog so that if we have to counter condition or we have to get them used to something, it's not everything. So, so obviously I'm not advocating locking them in a closet (laughs) and, and it's, it's honestly a little frustrating that it would be taken that way. I am not saying don't do socialization. What I am saying is that I don't think taking socialization slowly, the way that COVID has forced us all to do is a bad thing. Okay. I think that that's a very legitimate viewpoint. I, I think, and, that- and I would also say that it is not counter conditioning if it is a novel experience. Right. Okay. So if you have a dog who has not had an experience, right? He's never seen a hot air balloon. I'll, I'll just pull that one out of my keister, right? So most of us have not given our dogs exposures to hot air balloons. But boy, when we see a hot air balloon, our brains go cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? We do not have to counter condition hot air balloons. The dog's never seen one. It's a novel experience. Obviously, we don't want one landing in our side yard. We're going to give that some distance, but we're going to sit with our dog and marvel at the hot air balloon. That is what I am talking about when we're dealing with these dogs that are a little bit older who haven't had the benefit (laughs) or torture of what most people in the United States call socialization now, right? It's, I'm, it's just learning to take in the environment. That is what socialization is. Right. Well, I think about in, in, in Europe, like in France um, or even England where dogs are, have more, access like you see people sitting in cafes with their dogs and i don't know if we have the same level of angst in dogs in europe as we have here if these dogs and these dogs most of them are not neutered or spayed right and yet we seem to have a a a nice population of dogs who are very comfortable in the world in which they live but they're not touched by every other person like not everybody runs up and pets everybody else's dog and not everybody takes their dog to greet that dog. Those dogs are given space and they're not expected to be hypersocial. They're expected to be ignored. I just, I think we overdo it in the United States and I think it backfires. And then we blame the dog. The dog pays the price. Right. Well, I was going to say, I was thinking about our, my Bingley who was overwhelmed by a couple of dogs when he was very little. And so he was always much more reticent with dogs. Not that he didn't like them, but he was a little bit more reticent with them. And I did a lot of counter conditioning to other dogs and stuff. But one of the best things that happened to him was Buckley, our Bernie's mountain dog, because we would be out walking and people would like, oh, it's a Bernie's mountain dog. Bernie's is what they would say. It's a Bernie's as in Bern, Switzerland, not Burma. Um, Bernie's mountain dog and they would gush over Buckley and Bingley would just stand by my side and he was perfectly content just to watch all these happenings and not necessarily be involved himself and then people would just just get so apologetic oh I'm so sorry you're really handsome too and I would say it's fine he's fine 
he's perfectly happy right where he's at. We, you know, we're out for a walk and this is serious business, so he's okay. So I think sometimes just that, to, the, so Buckley was the saving grace for Bingley because <laughs> nobody noticed Bingley, which he was fine with and I was fine with. Um, so I think a lot of it is is knowing what is right and good and appropriate for your dog. You know, um, Buckley solicited attention from everybody. I mean, if we would stop and people would buy. He's like, oh, hello, I'm sure you want to come and talk to me. And people generally didn't. He was very good and very gentle with them as well. So, you know, that but that's just who he was. That's not necessarily who I expected Bingley to be. Um, so you got to work. I think that's kind of my point, right? That I think we a lot of times expect everybody to be the hyper social, like everybody's supposed to be an extrovert. All the dogs are supposed to be super extroverted and love people and love other dogs. And that's what I want. And I'm like, how about we instead set a goal that our dog ignores the vast majority of that stuff and that the dog has a a method, a modality to have greater interaction based on who that dog is. And so like for the pug, that's, you know, like every layer of, oh my goodness, I'm here to love you. Like I had my shorty, my Jack Russell would have loved the job as the people greeter at Walmart. He liked everybody. He wanted to say hello to everybody. And then that was enough. Not so much with all the touching. Right. And he was never mean about it. He was never ugly about it. He just saved that level of intimacy for his family, for people that, you know, his friends. It wasn't it wasn't something given to every single individual or dog that he met. And he really liked other dogs. He really liked other people. He just didn't necessarily want kisses from everybody. Right. And like we would sometimes I'd take Bingley to the dog park and he was much more interested because dog had this nice big field. And I would go when I knew there weren't going to be a lot of dogs there and I could really haul off and throw the ball for him because his his biggest thing was to run as as hard as he could to get balls. So I would always take like five tennis balls with me so that if somebody stole one of his balls, I always had another one for him. Um, And other dogs would want to play with him. And he's like, well, sorry, I'm playing with my person. And we would go off to the end of the dog park where most of the field was, where nobody else was, and we could play. But it was nice because it was a nice fenced-in big field that I could play ball with him and really let him rip. Um, But um, it never bothered me that he wasn't particularly interested in playing with other dogs because he was a happy, content companion, and he was who he was. And that was absolutely, you know, fine by me. So I think though that that's what socialization may perhaps teach you is as you try to expose your dogs to some of these things in a gentle way is it's going to help you learn and figure out who your dog is so i think that if you are careful about your socialization that you make it positive and you try to give your dog some new experiences some chances to 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 see some new things to smell some new smells and watch his response, you're going to get a much better idea of who your dog is and how he wants to interact with the world. So I think socialization can kind of work to be a way in which you get to know who your pet is. So. um, Absolutely. Right. And shouldn't that, shouldn't they get the benefit of that choice? So, so family pause, Jen Shryock's awesome program 
talks about invites decrease bites, right? And we all like, I, I think bites is probably too extreme. Most of us are like, if our dog bit someone, we would lose our marbles, right? But what I would say is there's not a really catchy way that I found anyway to say that invites um, encourage polite interaction. It, it, it gives more choice to the dog, which of course reduces conflict. Right. Right. So if I can, if I am allowed to say no to something, it actually makes it easier for me to say yes, because I have a greater amount of agency about how, when I can turn it off and make it stop. Right. So, so, um, my experience is when we give, whether a dog is hypersocial, right? So the pug, who's like the social butterfly of the group, he, everybody is his new best friend, is zero loyalty. Or whether we're talking about a dog who's more sensitive, the more that we wait until the dog's brain is settled and calm, like calm, gentle, and fair to go back to Colleen, and the dog calmly goes and greets the person it also means our dog is taking in, our puppy is taking in what is the other living creature signaling and experiencing? Like, does the person want to say hello to me or does the person really a cat person and is it doesn't really like dogs or is afraid of dogs? So I think, again, going places, having your dog watch things is super, super advantageous without all the touching. I think when we let the dog set the pace of the touching, it just goes better. And I think for lots of people, they think socialization means the dog's roughhousing or everybody cuddling their dog. And I don't think that that is socialization. I just, I don't. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I mean when I'm talking about like wrangling this whole, what does socialization mean? It's about seasoning the dog to take in experience. I agree. All right. I, I cool. think COVID It'll be interesting to see. I'm sure I'm probably going to be wrong in some ways. But um, my experience of all of it is I am not seeing puppies come out of, come into my group classes who have been locked down for months and months and months and months. I am not seeing them have huge, horrible negative side effects about having been in their home. I just, I'm not seeing that. What I'm seeing is puppies who are a little bit slower to greet and are more polite doing that and that we're doing that socialization more softly. Uh, they're more thoughtful. I actually kind of like it better, but I, I suppose we all like, no, that's not going to suit everybody. Yeah. But, you know, teaching a dog, you know, but I don't think anybody really wants to be overwhelmed by a dog either. So if dogs are approaching people more softly and with a little bit more caution, Maybe that's not a bad thing either. I think that's probably a good thing overall. Yeah, like I get that complaint a lot, right? The dog who is jumping on everybody because they're an overly enthusiastic greeter. Yeah, which could also mean they need some sleep. Um, right, sleep. And it could be that they need the greeting slowed down because it, it's overwhelming to them. So if you want to slow down the greeting, what do you recommend? The dog be on a leash? Yeah, I do a lot of park and pay. Yeah. Okay. And and then I I couple that with um I couple that with kind of monitoring where the dog's brain is. So it I love Colleen's calm, gentle, and fair. Like if the dog if the dog is straining to say hello to the person, I I don't really let them 
I don't really let them do this. Uh, I don't let them proceed because that is not calm, gentle and fair. Like they're going to make bad decisions. Um, because they're overexcited, right? We're going to make bad decisions at anywhere that there's an extreme. So if we're extremely afraid, we're going to make bad decisions. If we're super overexcited and overstimulated, we're going to make bad decisions. So I do a lot of puppy socialization of you set up a situation where a puppy could calmly say hello, but they're not required to, they're not forced to, and they're not allowed to if they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So like in our class, we just say if they still have the crazy eyes, (laughs) right? Like if they're like, oh my God, there's another person. I'm like, right, we we don't say hello during that because it's like a drunk college student. Like, what are we doing? Like, no, you're not, you're too excited. You're not listening to social cues. You're not making rational decisions. You're just high. So settle out. And then once you calm down, then you can quietly go say hello. Because what I have observed is the trip from that super excited greeting to to mouthing and chewing and biting and getting overstimulated and scaring themselves is a really short trip because the brain is already overreacting. Right. Is that a good way to explain it? That is a good way to explain it. Um, Okay. So if uh, we wanted to do a summary of what we've talked about, I think it's basically pay attention to your dog and, and his temperament. Make sure that when you are out and about and trying to give your dog some some experiences that that you take his lead for the level of exposure that will make him comfortable in that situation make sure you have a lot of tasty treats with you so that you can reward especially if you have a timid dog you can reward oh look i lean in and i show some interest right i'm going to give you a piece of chicken i'm not going to force you to go over and talk puppy yes absolutely and and lots of don't always walk in the same neighborhood don't always go to the the same grocery store. Like if you're going to go sit outside the grocery store, don't always go to the same grocery store. Um, you know, don't always go the same day and time, like wear, put a pair of garden gloves on, ask your kids to put on their Halloween costume. Um, in, you know, have, we all, I think most of us have a pod of people who we're currently feeling really safe with, with COVID have your pod come and visit, visit, but maybe wear a funny hat or funny sunglasses, right? Or it's it's all of the things. You had a really beautiful list at the start that I can't, right? It's it's different strata, it's scent, it's visual, it's auditory, it's all of those things. So you can totally play the sounds of kids playing off YouTube. You can totally play that and let your puppy have a Kong while that's happening. Or give your puppy a bully stick sitting outside of the grocery store watching to the senior citizens go in and out on senior citizen day. Right. For the ones for the ones who are doing that. Not not everybody's doing that. Some people are just doing drive up. Right. But I mean, there are stores that are open, right? Even during lockdown, grocery stores are open. You might stand on the apron far enough away that you feel comfortable, which is probably how close your puppy's gonna be and be comfortable. And they can watch people go in and out. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there are gas stations. Everybody will be using a gas station, whether we're in lockdown or not. Um, and then get creative about take your puppy to your local um, 
to your local, uh, oh crud, what's it called? Parking garage and feed your puppy hot dog while you go up and down the elevator a couple of times. Those are all good things and all things that you can do and maintain social distance. So yeah. this is um, this is all very good, very interesting. And uh, we would love to hear your feedback on it. So you can let us know what you think about this episode and others. On You can send all of your hate mail to <laughs> about why I'm wrong to feedback at your family dog podcast.com. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting idea? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.